We welcome you to the media ministries of the Gathering Church in the Countryside YMCA of Mainville. As we love the Lord and each other, we're trusting that God would use us to plant a church in every YMCA around the world. To this end, would you join us? We meet on Sundays at 10 a.m. and in community groups throughout the week. As you listen to this resource, our prayer is that your love for Jesus would grow deep and your love for others would be seen and heard. Good morning. Carters, Joe, thanks for leading us in worship. What a special time. It's good to hear you guys singing again. Always good to be in the body of Christ and hear God's people say, you know what? My life is yours. Isn't it? I don't know if that encouraged you, but it did me. Uh, Hey, prior to um, our time in the Word, uh, I'd like to, and prior to dismissing the kids, I'd like to pray. uh, And I'd like to pray for the Hartzell family. Um, um, I would say in the next three days, um, it's probably uh, some of the most significant three days um, for this family. Uh, McKinley will be having her bone marrow transplant, and um, and that'll be on Tuesday. And I would just like to call each and every one of you to make that um, uh, just a high priority for prayer. Um, it's a, a significant moment in her life and their family and in the life of our church. And so um, uh, would you bow your head one more time and let's pray and ask God to help this eight-year-old, beautiful child. Let's pray. Uh, So, Father, we come to you, and we know that you are the healer. You are in control. You love McKinley. And we we just uh, praise you right now uh, by faith. The bone marrow biopsy, it came back negative with no leukemia cells. And we're just so grateful you have helped her. You love to help people. When your people come to you in prayer, you love to show up. And so we're so thankful for the positive response that her body has had to the chemotherapy. And uh, to, to pray specifically in these next few days, we pray for minimal side effects as she continues on with her chemo. We know that she's, she's bathing every six hours or so uh, because her skin is, is burning. And we just, our hearts burn for her. We just long for her with the affection of Christ Jesus. And we want her whole. And we ask, uh, even in the next two days, that, that as her immune system is just completely wiped out by this chemo to get ready for the transplant, Lord, would you uh, protect her, uh, keep her from sickness, and um, guard her heart and her mind in Christ Jesus. And as she receives these new cells on Tuesday, Lord, would you make this procedure just go faultless? Would you um, just protect it? Would your grace be upon it? Would you guide the doctors both in their minds and in their hands and Lord, would you just be with mom and dad, Hartzell, Zane and Caroline as as they are with their child. And would you, uh, Lord, without you, you say in John 15, we are nothing. And so, 
let us all just look to you by faith. The passage that uh, keeps surfacing um, for, for Zane and Caroline has been Colossians 1. And we just, as a church, want to remember this truth and hold fast to it. That you, Lord, are before all things, and in you, all things hold together. And so, Lord, if you are strong enough to keep all the planets in orbit and um, keep the sun not from crashing into the earth, but not keeping it from flinging it out into outer space so that we'd freeze to death. If you hold all those massive things in place, we're also banking that you will hold those tiny little cells together in McKinley's body. And so we're, we're pleading with you and asking and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, kids, at this time, you're dismissed. Thanks for joining us. Ages seven and below can go back to the lights ministry. I've asked Phoenix, my buddy, to come on up here and uh, help me a little bit. Phoenix, you going to be all right? Way to go, girl. Um, so she's writing out our text for today. And just during this foundation series, it's just... Um, uh, a fun way to just um, give our church a visual of the of the foundations, the the bedrock of what we're doing here as a church. If you've ever wondered, I wonder what like what we're all about. What are we supposed to be doing? What's like what's this church? What's its makeup? What's its DNA? We we every January come back to it. We describe our foundations in three arrows: up, in, and out. Up would be loving God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Out would be reaching out to the lost. And in would be making disciples and how to love one another well in a biblical and God-honoring way. Um, the first message, we spent our time going up and we were in uh, Philippians 1. Uh, two weeks ago, we were looking at out. What does it mean to reach out uh, with our life? And then this Sunday, we will be in and so um, we, we describe these, these, or we use these arrows to just give you guys some cues, um, really to kind of um, know how you're doing spiritually. Just good questions up. Hey, how you doing with the Lord? How's your time in the, in the Word? How's your time in prayer, right? Uh, out. Hey, are there any people in your life that you're actively reaching out towards? Are there any people on your heart that you've been praying for and wanting them to come to Christ? They're far from Christ and you're wanting them to come near. And God wants you and loves to use you to reach people for Christ. It's, it's just wonderful. And then in, the, the, just the simple question, hey, you got any people in your life that you're walking with closely, that you're leaning into, that, that you're growing in Christ with? This Christian life isn't just like, um, you know, it's me and God and, and, and in the closet alone. Um, although sometimes it is, um, but much of it is with other people. And so it's uh, as we dive into this, it's questions of uh, ministering to those in your local church. So that's where we're headed today. These aren't um, creative by any means. They're just a summary of the great commandment and the great commission, right? To great commandment, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then the great commission to make disciples of all nations. And so that's what we want to do as a church, a way to evangelize and disciple. We don't want to lose that, so we keep coming back to it. 
So let me just give you a quick preview of where we're going today. Uh, the title, if you're taking notes, is called Direction for Loving One Another. I don't know if you ever need direction or directions when you're driving um, or if you've ever trained your son or daughter in directions. For some of you, I know it's coming up. Mm-hmm. So there's some, some, some training going on. I need help. I need direction in how to love people within the body of Christ. And I would guess that you are somewhat the same. Uh, what does it mean to love one another? What does a loving church look like? Is it just nice greeters in the front? Oh man, this is such a nice church. They greet it, they open the door for me. Oh, right? If you're visiting with us today, um, we ask all the members of our church um, to be a part of two healthy structures. We ask them to uh, be in a group and to serve on a team, right? And we believe that those two structures can, can allow you to function within your gifts and within how God made you so that you can love one another, you can reach out to the lost, you can serve the Lord. But even in that, it's like, okay, does, so I'm like in a group and does that mean I just like show up and eat the snacks and sit on the couch and kind of just be a bump on the log and check. I'm like being a good church person or it's like, okay, I'll, I'm, I'll serve. Yeah. Come in here and set up some chairs. And it's like, okay, whatever. Is, is that like the, the pinnacle, the ultimate like experience of the Christian life? Is there more to that, that the Bible calls us to rather than just like show up? Is it, is it like a, you know, a third grade um, boys and girls soccer team where you just go to the games for the snacks, you know, the orange slices or the, you know, the Welch's fruit snacks. Is that, is that what we're, we're getting at, you know? And so today uh, in Philippians, we're going to meet three characters. Paul introduces them to us in order to unfold, to, to reveal to us what it means to love one another. And so we're going to meet Christ today in our text, and we are going to see how his humility, key word, how his humility uh, is a model to us and how it changes the way we look at things. And as we look to Christ and this model, um, I, I love this, this old song where it says, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the what? And the, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim. It's interesting. As we look to Christ this morning in, in his humble ways, there's going to be things of earth that are going to grow strangely dim. And we're going to want to love one another more because of Christ, our Lord and Savior. Um, the text is going to move and it, it's going to call us because of Christ and because of our relationship with him. It's going to call us to grow and it's going to call us to do two uh, amazing, incredible plain, ordinary, mundane things, and how these two things especially are just going to skyrocket our influence on other people. So if, you, if you're here and you're wondering, I, I wonder how God wants to use my life to count. Anyone wondering that? I want to be used by God. We're going to find out today some significant things that we can do in order to grow to be used by Him. We're going to meet another character. His name's Timothy. We're going to see how he serves. 
And then we're going to meet a dude named Epaphroditus. Anyone ever heard of him before? We're going to see his great sacrifice. That's where we're going. Are you ready to go into God's Word with me? Let's do it together. If you would, open your Bibles to Philippians 2. And I'd, I'd like to share uh, Philippians 2 from, from my heart. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united in love, if any hope from His affection, if any tenderness or compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and in purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but instead made Himself nothing. Taking on the form of a servant, He humbled Himself and became obedient, even obedient unto death. And therefore God exalted Him and gave Him the name that is above all names, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory and praise of God the Father. Therefore, my brothers, just as you, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purposes. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may be children of God, blameless and pure, without fault, in a crooked and warped generation as you shine like stars, holding fast to the word of life. Then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor for anything and so that you may have joy. Brothers, I think it is necessary for me to send to you Timothy so that when he comes, I may hear and be cheered of the good news of you, for I have no one else like him who takes a genuine interest in your welfare. For everyone looks out for his own interests, not those of Christ Jesus. But you know that Timothy has served with me as a son to a father in the work of the gospel. Therefore, welcome him. And when I hear news of, of you, I will be glad. And you too will rejoice when I hear of your news. I think it is necessary that I send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow soldier, your messenger whom you sent to me. He longs for all of you and was distressed when you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill and almost died. But God had mercy on him. And not only on him, but also upon me to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, welcome him 
and honor people like him, for he almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life to make up for the help that you yourselves could not give. Philippians 2, let's look at it together and allow the Lord to work in our hearts, shall we? Let's look at the first section of our time. We're going to see a main theme rise up. This, this section, verses 1 through 11, we're going to write the word humility. And so if you are taking notes, look at this. We, we see it first in verse 3. He says, do this, don't do this. Do this, don't do this. Hey, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in what? Humility, consider others better than yourselves. We see it again where Christ Jesus, in being very nature, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself a, a servant, taking on the form of human likeness, and he what? He humbled himself. This is a significant theme in the first part of our, of our text here. We need to be humble people. It's hard to think in ways of humility when we just hear the word, hey, we need to be humble. Immediately, we might start saying like, oh, okay, I need to be humble. I need to humble. How do I get humble? And it's just good to define our terms, right? Humility is not thinking lowly of yourself. Just some like self-deprecating type of person. Oh, I'm so bad. I'm so, I, I stink at this. I, um, you know, I just walk around kind of an Eeyore type person, you know, shoulders hanging low. Oh, everything about me stinks. No, no, no. Humility is, is not just, is not just like uh, thinking, thinking uh, bad about yourself. Actually, humility is just not thinking about yourself. And Paul gives us direction. He says, if you want to be used in the lives of other people, it starts with pursuing Christ. And pursuing Christ leads you to live for other people. To live for Him by laying your life down for others. What do you mean? I mean by counting it a joy to value others as more important than yourself. I'll be frank with you. Narcissism kills churches. Proud people kills relationships. You want to be used by God? Yes! Then we all need to be humble before the Lord and look to Christ as an example. How do I do that? How do I, how do I value others more than myself? It's, it starts with a heart change, um, and then it's like a muscle. you got to work it. I remember I worked at a Christian camp uh, in college, and we used this, this mental image to help us live out Philippians 2. Um, and it was, it was this image. Um, with every camper, with every kid, imagine that they're wearing a sign over their neck, and it's hanging on their chest, and the sign says this, Make me feel important. That changed the way we did camp. That changed the way we treated everyone. 
That changed the way when the kid at 2 o'clock at night vomits all over his bed and you're sopping up throw up. I need to make this kid feel important and not make him feel like a distraction or a disgrace. It starts with a decision. In the text, some translations say, count others. NIV says, value others more important than yourselves. Count, and some of you will identify with this, is a military term. It means this. It means to lead. Command with official authority. To consider and judge. If you want to live your life for other people, you've got to command yourself with the authority of Christ to say, I am going to live this way. It doesn't just happen by osmosis. It's not this mystical thing that just eventually you become. You must, before the Lord, decide, I am going to live for others. And I'm going to do it by saying that they're actually more important than me. What they're saying is more important than what I am going to say. Whatever they're saying, and I'm listening, I'm not eager to just say my stuff. I'm actually listening and wanting them to be heard and valuing them because Christ values them. When be used by God, count the cost. It's a significant cost. Living for Jesus Christ means leading out in a Christian manner by evaluating every situation and every conversation and every action by deeming others more important than yourself. Listen to this quote by John Newton. This is the guy who wrote Amazing Grace. He said, I am persuaded that love and humility are the highest attainments in the school of Christ and the brightest evidences that he is indeed our master. John Newton. Isn't that good? So just to pause today, there's a decision before you. If you're looking for some direction on how to, how to love God with your life and how to walk with Jesus Christ, the direction that you're getting from God's word is to lay your life down by living for others and counting them more important, more significant than yourself. If your reaction so far is like, whoo, that's a tall order. That's tough. I don't know if I can do that. Paul almost anticipates that and gives you the greatest example that you could ever hear about or see in the history of the world, he, he gives you Christ. He says, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, this passage is famously called the Great Descent, because Christ from on high, from in heaven, came down, who, being very nature with God, Decided equality was not something to be grasped, but instead made himself in the form of man. Whew, that's low. And being made in human likeness, he was found in appearance as a man. And for some of us, that's really low, right? <laughs> and became obedient unto death. Even death on a cross. 
The descent changes in this passage because God exalts the humble and shames and puts down the proud. And it starts with Jesus. And it says, but God exalted him. And here's where the ascent comes. And gave him the name that is above all names. That at the name of Jesus, and watch this, that heaven goes down and earth goes down and even under earth goes down on their knees before Jesus and it brings all glory and praise to God. What, that, you see that movement from down, from up all the way to down, to up, and then down, and then it goes back up to God. It's beautiful. It's a great passage. And it should, should transform our hearts to be like, you know what? I'm, I, I'm sorry, Lord. I was sitting high on my, like, on my chair. I was playing Monday morning quarterback with my wife, and I was bossing my kids around. I, was, I just thought I was everything. And I'm so sorry. I see now that the way of Christ is one of humility. And now I'm asking that. That's the first one. The second one is a theme of growth. So the result of that is not just like, oh, sweet. Okay, that's a nice truth. The result is that you would want to grow. And this is one of the great passages in our scripture. It says, it talks about obedience. And then it says, hey, continue to grow. Continue to work out your salvation. Some trans translations say faith. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. You see this work? Let's use a different color, shall we? Just for funsies. Let's go orange. Hunter orange. Hunting season's almost over, guys, just to give you a heads up. Continue to work out your faith with, with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and act according to his good purposes. Okay, so the message is, hey, work in order to get saved? No, no, you already have your salvation. You're already saved. The Lord has, has redeemed you, bought you, and, and, and sent you on a way to to follow him. And so therefore, what is now in you, let it be lived out. That's the message. Not, not work it out. Uh, not, not a, oh, I, I like, um, I've got to earn my salvation. Salvation is a gift of God. Um, but you, being given that gift, now are called to work it out. So the question would be, okay, so if I am to work out my salvation, is it all up to me now? Like, is it, did God save me and then just leave me to like work it out? You go, no, no. Well, because the next verse says, for it is God who works in you to will and act, to fulfill his good purposes. Okay, so it's all up to God then. Is sanctification, if in, is growing in Christ, and that's our word, I'm going to write it for you, grow. Is your growth up to you or is it up to God? And this is one of the great tensions of the Christian life. You want to know the answer? Yes. <laughs> well, so it is all up to me. No, no, no. If it was left up to us, we would be just perishing in our lack of zeal and sloth. So it's, it's, uh, it's, up, it's totally up to God. 
And, and that's cool. So I can like sit back on my lawn chair and put a little umbrella in my drink and just like hang out and watch. No, no, that's not it. Okay, well, give me percentages, Mike. Is it, it's, so I'm hearing it's like more so 51% God and 49% me. No, no, that's not it either. It's 100% God in your life. For it is God. Not like, for it's halvesies. Hey, split. It is God who works in you to will and act according. So if you grow, all glory and praise go to God. But it's also 100% you. Because God calls you to give all of your life, everything you got. And in this context, it's to love one another. So, um, Mike, you're a pastor. I, am, um, I work with Excel sheets. I'm a mathematician. I'm a CPA. Uh, 100% plus 100% is 200%. And I say, I know. That's correct. And yes, I think that's the most biblical. 200%. So let's grow. How? How do you grow? Well, Paul specifically cites two things in this passage. He says, you want to be children of God, blameless and pure in a crooked and, and, and um, perverse and warped generation? You want to shine like stars in the universe? You want to shine bright for Jesus? Watch what he says. Do everything. Don't you love that positive statement? Without grumbling or arguing. Isn't that interesting? If you have Christ in your heart, and if, you, and if you're called to grow, the first thing that Paul says is, hey, watch your mouth. The, the greatest thing that can hurt your witness and hurt your influence and ministry with other people is your grumbling and arguing and complaining. Uh, some translations say murmuring, uh, which harkens back to uh, Moses. And uh, as they, it was, he was leading God's people out of the promised land, and they were going, we should be back in Egypt. And the Hebrew, the Hebrew word for murmur is just this, these words, these sounds that kind of sound like murmur, right? Just these people that are murmuring. You want to shine bright? He says, take it out of your life. Ask God to take the grumbling, the complaining, the arguing out of your life. The other thing that he says is to hold firmly to God's word. To take the scriptures and to hold fast to them. To memorize them. To put them on sticky notes and put them on your mirror to remind you of the truths of God. When you're driving, to put it on the dashboard and review it. To make it apparent at your breakfast table. To speak it over your children. To read it. To immerse yourself in it. On Sundays, to sit under it. To hold fast to it. To believe it. To love it. You want to grow in Christ in 2024? Ask God to do two things. Lord, help me with my grumbling and complaining. And Lord, help me hold fast to your word. And watch what the Lord does in your life. Like, buckle up. It'll be exciting. It'll be awesome. Let's meet another character, shall we? 
Um, we're, the main word in this one is serve. We're going to meet Timothy. But we're going to see the, a main clause come out in this passage. And I know not uh, everyone will be able to see, but you'll just have to trust me, okay? All right, the first passage that we'll see here, just kidding, is about the gospel. Here we go. I didn't mark you. I'm, I'm good. You're good. Okay, let's find it. Because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. Main clause. This is what he wants to say of what, if you're thinking who, what, where, when, why, how, what did Timothy do? He served in the work of the gospel. If I had you guys all raise your hands, who in here wants to serve the Lord in the work of the gospel? A hundred percent. People would be like, yeah, that's like the purpose of my life. I want to do that. I don't always know how to do that. Thankfully, Newman doesn't have to make it up. It's in God's word. Paul, he has the chance to like display Timothy's resume to this people. He's going to send Timothy and he can say just a few things about Timothy, right? What leg does he lead with in terms of sharing about Timothy? He doesn't say, well, I'm going to send Timothy because he has a 4.0 in seminary. Nope. He doesn't say, well, I'm going to send Timothy because he can wax eloquently and say anything with just pure, it's like his voice is velvety and he'll just woo the crowds and you guys will grow numerically as a church. Nope. You know what he says? The one thing that he says about Timothy is like, I have no one else like him who takes a genuine concern for others. Where is it? Genuine concern right there. The word is serve. How do I serve? By taking a genuine concern for others. What does that mean? The next clause says, for everyone looks out for his own interests, not those of Christ Jesus. And so we see this connecting point. What is Jesus interested in? Jesus is interested in other people's interests. How do I serve Jesus? By being interested in other people's interests. <laughs> and in so doing, you're pleasing Jesus. You want to know what Jesus is all about? People. You want to serve Him? Be about the ministry of taking an interest in other people's lives. I share this about once a year. It seems to land really well. And so I think we should just share it once a year. And, and uh, because it's starting to become more of a common um, vocabulary in our, um, in our church. Okay. Um, I love, I love when like comedians say there's two kinds of people in this world because it's like totally boils down. It's like oversimplistic, you know. There's two kinds of people in this world. Those who like Neil Diamond and those who do not like Neil Diamond, right? Things like that. Well, this, this um, I actually think this is pretty accurate and it, it helps you understand. There's two kinds of people in this world. The here I am person and the there you are person. Let me tell you about the here I am, okay? The here I am person opens the door to a, to a room and he immediately wants to be displayed 
and he, he, he wants everyone to know that he's here. Here I am, everybody. Now, he might not like hold himself like that and stick out his chest like the varsity quarterback, but through his stories and through his lack of listening and conversation, he wants to be heard. When someone's telling about their wisdom teeth and how one got extracted, he immediately goes, well, I had four and they were impacted and I was there for 12 hours, right? That's him, right? It's the, well, hey, I just got a Toyota Corolla and it's got 80,000 miles on it. That's a great deal. Well, I got a Honda Civic and it has 75,000 miles, right? He wants to be heard. He wants to know that you know that he's here. Here I am. It can happen in all sorts of contexts. It can happen at work, um, across the cubicle, right? You can look on over and be all about yourself. It can happen in small group, where, where the community group, one person shares a, 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 a prayer request, and you can tell that person is hurting and then this here I am person comes and says, listen to my prayer request. It's even more significant than hers. <laughs> and that person goes, right? We don't want to be here I am person, people. The other person is that there you are. And they walk into a room with an entirely different mentality. Their attitude is the same as that of Christ Jesus because they walk in and their radar is out for people who need ministry, who need help, who need the love of God. They're not interested in their own insecurities. They're not interested in what they're wearing, how they look to others. They're interested in others. And so they look in a crowd and go, that person's standing alone. Hey, how you doing? Hey, what's... What, it's, it's focused on other people. The agenda is not raising their popularity. The agenda is others. And that is called serving in the body of Christ. To continue to just stir this up and like shape our culture to one of service. Um, there's a story... Um, in the book of, called The Trellis and the Vine. I love this book. It's about discipleship, okay? And it goes like this, um, where two people walk into a church and they pull the pastor aside and, and they say, hey, we, we love to serve. Can we serve anywhere? And the pastor looks and he goes, well, all the chairs are set up. Um, people are, are, are man in the media booth back there. And, uh, you know, why don't you just come on in and sit and enjoy and that's, a, that's a, a decent answer, but his perception of service is one of, of like, well, the chairs are done, media spots are filled, and so you're fine. Just don't serve, just come and sit and soak. Instead, and so that this story like rewinds, and instead, um, the couple comes in again, and they go, hey, we would love to serve. And the pastor goes, well, you know, the chairs are all set up and, uh, you know, people are manning the media booth and sound and things in the back. But I tell you what, you see that couple up front right there? Yeah, I see. Yeah, you see them? They just had a miscarriage. And they're really hurting. Would you take them to lunch and just be their friend? 
Would you listen to him? I don't know where you're at financially, but it would just really bless him to even buy him lunch. They're paying off doctor bills and medical. Just hear him out and, and don't have answers. Just, just love them by listening. You see how that's a different framework, a different mindset than just like chair, 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 done, I served. This is, is and can be all-consuming for the Christian, and Jesus wants it to be. He wants your whole life to be lived for the sake of others. You might ask so far, well, what's in it for me? What's in it for me? Well, God. And the answer is nothing. That's the point. And when you empty yourself, as Christ emptied himself, you'll be filled with so much joy and purpose and and laughter and excitement. You'll be fueled for the gospel. And your life will be so purposeful. When you stop asking what's in it for me and you just serve people, it's wonderful. I'm not excited about this. I don't think you should be either. That's it. So, in what ways is God calling you to serve in 2024? And I hope that your boxes got expanded a little bit through the passage that we're studying today. The last one that we're in, the word is sacrifice. Okay. Now, I will admit that uh, anytime you're having your quiet time and you start reading weird words and weird names like Epaphroditus, it's easy to just be like, Okay, this this is a boring part. Let me just go ahead and skip on over that, okay? Anyone else there with me? Yeah, it's like, whatever. This passage, I think, is going to blow you away. This is going to be so rich, okay? What is up with our brother Epaphroditus, who's a brother, worker, soldier, who is a messenger, he cared for their needs, okay? We're going to write the word sacrifice over it, and then we're going to see... Guys can only do one thing at a time. So hold on. Sacrifice. There we go. You ladies, you guys can do a ton of things. Like at one time, we just got one thing on our mind. Okay. Did I spell it right? I didn't. Sacri. <laughs> I didn't. I did. Sacrifice. There's an F in there and an I. <laughs> See what I mean? Humbling. Humbling this thing called preaching. Okay. Sacrifice, all right? Watch, watch this massive theme surface, okay? Epaphroditus. They're gonna, Paul is going to send back to them Epaphroditus. And there's all these major concerns that the body of Christ has for each other. And a massive theme in this paragraph is that Christians are concerned when theirs, their own are sick. That's a, that's a major theme here, okay? Watch this. So um, Paul is sending back to them because Epaphroditus was taking care of Paul's needs, okay? The church sent Epaphroditus to take care of the needs. Um, when the church found out that Epaphroditus was sick, Epaphroditus, not the church initially, Epaphroditus was distressed. Because he heard that they were distressed. Does that make sense? Oh, bummer. I didn't want them to know I was sick. I didn't want that to be a burden for them. Oh, 
There's emotion in this passage. Um, Epaphroditus longs for the people. He was ill and almost died. Because of that, God, God like totally showed up, had mercy on him. But watch this. Paul has an additional sorrow because, or I'm sorry, he was spared from sorrow because Epaphroditus didn't die. Do you see it? In the early church, um, uh, it was written about believers that they especially took care of their own. Another way to say it is when believers go down, other believers' radars go up. Listen to this. Um, this is written by um, Roman Emperor Julian. Okay, a Writing in the 4th century, regretted the progress of Christianity. So this is not a believer. So he saw Christianity growing, expanding, and he regretted that. He hated it. Okay, Regretted the process of Christianity because it pulled people away from Roman gods. He said, this is a Roman Emperor Julian, atheism, which he didn't really know what to call it. So he's like, atheism, but he's talking about Christians. So the Christian faith, the Christian faith has been specially advanced through the loving service rendered to strangers and through their care and burial of the dead. It is a scandal that there is not a single Jew who is a beggar and that the godless Galileans care not only for their own poor, but for ours as well. While those who belong to us look in vain for the help that we should render them. Summary, this Roman non-believer is saying those Christians care for their sick, they bury their dead, they take care of our people, we got our people, and they're not doing that. What's going on with them? Something's different. They love one another. They care for each other. What a testimony. You know, we, we prayed earlier for McKinley, but just to even put flesh on it, and this is to encourage the, the whole body of Christ, you know, She's getting this bone marrow transplant on Tuesday because of her leukemia. Um, I have heard of multiple moms this week dropping what they're doing and serving this family down on their hands and knees, scrubbing their bathroom floors, things like that. They're helping a family that has gone down in their dark hour. And as a result, light is shining bright from our church. It's beautiful. And, it, and it's strange because this light, it won't make uh, billboards in, in Mainville. It, when you're passing 22 and 3, and, you know, look at, it won't be like, so-and-so, serve the sick. But God knows. And treasures in heaven, even this week, were significantly stored up as a result of our own caring for our own. This is a great Christian witness of love. If, um, let me say it like this. Um, 
this concern that's happening. You see all that pink over there? You see all that underlining and all, you know, Epaphroditus concerned and the church concerned and Paul having godly anxiety for, um, for Epaphroditus and, and the, this discussion of sending him back and wanting him and rejoicing when he's there and hearing news and this and that. It all, I don't know if there's, if 100% of you are believers in there, but if you're not a believer, some of you, you, you might be going, that sounds like um, bothersome. That sounds like uh, something that would overwhelm my calendar. Or you could say it's something like this. That sounds like a burden. Um, but let me say this. Christians enter into the burden of the local church. And I, I just, you know, you want your pastor to be strong in moments um, where, where, where strength should be provided. If you are not feeling the burden of your local church, you probably need to press in a little bit more. People leave local churches to get out of the burden of people. And they, they flock to places to hide. You don't want that. Feeling the burden is a good thing. It's godly. Paul's not blowing it with church here. He's churching it. This is church. The church rises up when others in the church get sick. You want to know how to follow Jesus with your life and love God? If someone gets sick, show up. Do something. Ask how you can help. And in that, God receives so much glory. Again, it's not uh, easy. Scripture doesn't paint it that way. You see the last two sentences of this chapter? It says, He almost died for the work of Christ. Therefore, honor people like Him. He risked His life. All this discussion of sick and living for others, it, it, it's not going to just like be a piece of cake. It's going to be sacrifice. And when you live a life of sacrifice, it's strange, but Paul says, hey, honor people like that. He's saying, live like that. Because then these guys like Emperor Julian recognize that there's something different. So keep encouraging and spurring each other on to love and good deeds. And as you look to Christ, and as you look to Timothy, and if you, as you look to Epaphroditus, it is a tall order, and it is intimidating. And so let me just leave you with this. Galatians 2.20 is a wonderful summation of the Christian life, where it's, if you're like, I don't have the strength to do that. I don't, I'm not equipped to do that. I, I don't know if I can. I don't know if I have the margin to serve or sacrifice. Or I, I. Scripture would call you to bring your insecurities, your questions, your weaknesses, your strengths all to God. And Galatians 2.20 says that by faith that He has, that God through His Son, Jesus was crucified. And that you, if you have Christ, you have been crucified. That's a death term. You've died to yourself. And you no longer live, but Christ lives in you. 
And the life you now live, it's not the old life. It's not the one that lives for yourself. It's the one that lives by faith now in the one who loves you and who sacrificed for you. That Jesus loved you so much that he gave his life for you and your call to live out his calling is to sacrifice and serve others. Growing, modeling the humility of Christ Jesus. I promise, this is scriptural, that if you go to him and ask for a heart change, that he will transform your mind and your heart in Christ Jesus. And he'll help you along the way. And that's why we're going to take communion today. Not just because it's on the schedule, not just because it's a fourth Sunday or whatever. We're going to come to him. We're going to respond to God's word because we want his help. We need the bread. We need the cup. We need his body broken, his blood shed. We need the forgiveness of sins. We need his daily bread in order to live a life that he has called us to. And so I'd invite you to come to Him. I invite, you, I invite you to humble yourself before Him and ask the Lord, ask Him through His Spirit to examine you, to be forgiven of sins. Ask Him to work in your life. Ask Him to reveal in what ways can I obey you, God, through your Scriptures, by your Spirit. And He'll do it, because He loves to do it. If you're not a believer here today, we just invite you to uh, watch the bread and the cup pass to not partake in honor of God's word. Also, if you're withholding any unforgiveness from someone, we would ask that you would first make that right. Uh, Matthew 6 says, if anyone is going to the altar and there's another one, uh, another brother who you've offended or you've sinned against, that you would leave your gift at the altar, you would make it right and then come back. And so we'd ask you to to make it right with others, to love one another by being reconciled with one another. And then commune with him. I'll pray. You can come up when you're ready, and we'll close in song together. Father God, we are so grateful. We're so grateful for your word, your calling, your great purpose for our lives. We couldn't do it without your son, Jesus. And so we look to him now, and ask for his help, for his daily bread, the sustenance, the very stuff we need to live and walk with you. Would you work in your church today? Lord, reveal insecurities and weaknesses and where areas of pride. Lord, reveal sin in our life that we may be clean before you so that we may serve you like this passage says pure and blameless without fault so we just pause and be quiet before you